And welcome to Fascinating Nouns. Now, if you are listening to this transmission, we are still the galaxy's most trusted source for incredible people, places, things, and ideas. Now, together we arrive at this curious nexus point, and we will explore the strange, unusual, offbeat, bizarre, intriguing, interesting, invigorating, quirky, quaint, quizzical, weird, wild, wacky, the fun, the frivolous, and the fringe, plus all the spaces in between. I am your host, Daniel J. Glenn. Hello, Fascination. Welcome to the show. So this is going to be a very special episode because it is my 200th episode of Fascinating Nouns, and I am very lucky to have been able to produce the show for this long, Uh, but I'm not the only one who produces it. The person who does the bulk of the work is my show producer, Sarah Brandt, and I could not do the show without her. I want to give her a thank you very much for making this show possible. She's been around for 150 episodes, and her personality and her decision-making has crafted each one of these episodes. So thank you so much, Sarah, for producer Sarah, for doing all your heart for all your hard work on the show. And I want to thank all of you for continuing to listen, tune in, uh, and, and enjoy all the interviews I have with experts. And for this episode, I have the distinct pleasure and honor of interviewing one of my best friends in the business, Emmy Award winning Steve Vitolo. Uh, he is not only, as I mentioned just a second ago, he's won an Emmy, but he's also created an app called Scriptation, which may single-handedly help humanity avoid the climate crisis. It's designed to turn Hollywood paperless, and you know it is one of my pet peeves, the amount of paper that Hollywood uses, and he is on the forefront of just getting rid of paper in Hollywood, and let's, let, let's do all this stuff green, real green advancements in production. Uh, that's what we're all here for, and he also had a movie produced that's going to come out this year. This man's been very busy. So we got to get right into this. Steve, thank you so much for being on the show today. Well, I'm glad you're here, Steve. I'm going to tell you that. Look, it is no secret that you've been angling to get on this show for for a very long time. I've always poo-pooed it for obvious reasons. But then 2021 came along, Steve, and Vitolinitis is running wild. It's more contagious than COVID. You are (laughs) possibly... Uh, the hottest thing going right now. I'm pretty excited for you. What do you think about that? Um, well, I, I think nothing brings me more joy than you having to talk about my accomplishments for an hour. So <laughs> yeah. it was all so so 2021 was all worth it just to get on this podcast. Well, I mean, it speaks to just how much spite, anger, uh, and, and really hate, you know, if we're going to push it that far, can really drive a person <laughs> to success. And, uh, you know, I don't want to take full credit, but I have to take partial credit in, in what you've accomplished this year. I mean, it's it's been amazing. Um, you know, I mean, easily, you know, it's a, let's get serious here for a moment, Steve. Now, you are Always. easily my favorite frenemy, and it is an honor and privilege because the one thing we haven't talked about is this is the 200th episode of my show. And I, I'm so glad you're able to be on it with me. It, it, I dressed up for you. I see. I, yeah. The important thing is one of us dressed up. <laughs> one of us did. Well, I mean, I, 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 can't, I can't tell if you're if you're celebrating the funeral, the end of my career or what, what you're celebrating. 
Well, that was, uh, Dan, that was another thought because it was either the tux or I have a black shirt that I was going to wear for the end of both of our careers after this episode airs. So I was like, I'll be a little more optimistic and I'll just put on the tux in it, it, the talks in in honor of the 200th episode of this show because that is quite an achievement oh well thank you very much and I, honestly i'm glad to have you on it and as you see behind you you've got the your emmy proudly displayed i bet you thought this year could get no better you'd have no higher honor than the emmy and yet here you are on this show so uh words can't describe what's going on here I want the Danny or whatever the show is. The Nowny. The Nowny. The Fassies. I like that. Now, I will tell you this. Before we get into yeah. this, you know, before we get right down to business here, Steve, to make you the 200th episode, I'm now currently reading a book in triple time to make sure that you are, that you are the 200th episode. So that tells you how much I respect you and how much I'm excited for you to share this honor. But let's get, let's get right down to this because we have to clear something up right off the bat here, Steve, and you, you got to do it first but you are you are do. not the steve atolo of u-turn 180 oregon's top trade traffic safety education provider uh, but you are you two are connected on linkedin uh, wh- what's the connection here family related are you also dipping your f- your feet into politics what's going on okay so i i developed an app which which we'll talk about and i, I had an idea for another app that deals with traffic so I was talking to my and you know our, our CTO the company, and I, I was like, I need some like someone who has expertise on this topic, and I was like, you know, there was this guy who has my name, who like his whole thing is traffic safety, and that is my app idea. So I was so I messaged him. I was like, this is the weirdest thing but I have an idea for an app about traffic safety and you are the expert. So I messaged him and promptly he blew me off. <laughs> but coincidentally, yeah. but what happened? Coincidentally, yeah. he did. This is after like a year and a half or maybe two years. He did reach back out like a week ago uh, wanting to connect on LinkedIn. So promptly I blew him off <laughs> because I was like, what would I was like, what would Dan Glenn do? And yeah. I was like, there's no way Dan Glenn, <laughs> after a blow off of a year and a half, would be like, oh, sure, let's no, chat. No, not happening. So so maybe maybe by the end of this podcast, we can decide whether I should message him back or whether I should just blow him off for a year and a half. Well, we'll put a poll up on 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 my Twitter feed now that I'm connected to you. Oh, yeah, you're, you're connected to you and and your tens of followers, and we will we'll, we're gonna put this poll up, and I, we're gonna get an answer to that question. Uh, but you know, let's talk about some of your achievements here. This, the, some of them that I am very jealous of. Which, oh, you, excuse me, I I just I I just have to take a <laughs> well, <laughs> just get uh, drink of water <laughs> here. Is, well, so. I'm never, I'm not going to shut I'm not going to. Look, Ben, I am such a fan. I am such a fan of Ben. He's my favorite on the show. Um, Yeah, I I love this. I love this mug. I drink, you could drink anything out of it, honestly. I mean, it's, it's, I don't know if you can do that with other mugs or not, but with Uh, this one, you could drink like water. It's uh, very versatile. uh, Coffee. 
Um, I don't know if you've heard of it. Tea yes, is something you could have out of this bug, but I'm just, I'm such a fan of pen and I like, I got to support it. So. Well, I will, anyway, sorry, go for, for those, for our listening audience, you are drinking, you're enjoying a nice beverage out of a fascinating gadgets, gizmos and gear based technologies mug. Um, I can't really read what that particular mug says, but it does have the picture of the entire team up there. But you know, I got a little thirsty myself there. And so I just happened to pick up. Uh, a scriptation mug that I have in your room. What is happening? <laughs> that, uh, mm, that's delicious. This is, wow, I had to make my own it. mug because I don't know if scriptation has a mug. Uh, but these we, are, don't, we don't have a uh, mug merch. Well, we, we actually are getting merch, but that was, wow, that is, that's quite something. It's a great design. Uh, for those of you at home, I'm going to have them on my website. So we're going to. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You can keep it. Not even going to charge you a royalty for the logo. Well, you can keep it. well, besides being a big fan of our podcast, you've got some pretty incredible accomplishments in all seriousness here. I know we're joking around because that's our that's our relationship. But you are an Emmy Award winning writer, which is a true sentence, although it is not exactly true because your Emmy is in engineering but you also happen to be a, a professional writer. Um, but do you ever tell people you're uh, an Emmy Award winning writer and just let them figure it out? I, you know, if I, I was thinking about how to do this because I'm an Emmy Award winning writer. So I, as long as you put the space in between, I think I'm okay. But yeah, it, it's up to them. You know, I, they could do their own research and, and figure out what I want an Emmy for. Right. But I do, te- but, but I do tell my... Dan and I went to the same college, but not at the same time. But I do tell my friend that um, was an engineering major that I have an Emmy for engineering. <laughs> and he doesn't, so which weird. is insane. It's so weird. We're going we're gonna to get into that. Uh, but you also created an app that is literally changing the Hollywood landscape. And you're attacking a problem that has uh, been stuck in my craw since I first started working in entertainment. Uh, you know, you've had a movie professionally produced, which is no small feat. Uh, you know, I think people who watch you aren't in Hollywood think that it's easy. Anyone can kind of walk in and get a movie produced. It is not that easy. Uh, and there's a whole lot more we're going to get into, but we're going to go back in the time machine here, Steve. We're going to go way back. Some people call it the way back machine. I like to call it the, the, uh, the time machine. And I want you to tell me a little bit about a 13-inch black and white television from your past. How important was this device in setting off your entire career? Wow, what, what research. This is research. That's what I do. Uh, well, I, I do. Uh, yeah, I mean, my, my parents allowed me to have a, black, a, a television in my bedroom, which, uh, it, you know, changed the trajectory of what – I mean, I was, I was watching – when I was young, you know, five, six, seven years old, I was I was watching Letterman. <laughs> so I was up late. But the black and white TV didn't have a remote. It had 13 channels and I would click it and obviously didn't have a sleep timer either. So I I got this little TV, put it in my room. I asked if I could put it in my room and then I would fall asleep to Letterman. And then my dad would come in and turn the TV off. So I think during it seeped into my television seeped into my brain <laughs> as I was a kid. Right. And eventually uh, I turned that 13 inch black and white television into a 13 inch color television. Oh. So my next question, when did you get to see color TV? I was just going to you beat me to it. <laughs> well, we had a color TV right, right. in the house. Yeah. Not that old. <laughs> we had a color TV in the house, but the 13 inch was something that was like in the basement that we weren't using. Right. And I was like, but we, we, 
I eventually got a 13-inch Toshiba television with a remote, very advanced. Wow. Um, and I, I got that after uh, winning a Little League baseball game. <laughs> Did you really? Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Oh, that's great. And so, but TV, you know, you and I share this. As TV was very important to us. And, you know, one of the things, Letterman, I mean, I think you had some aspirations to be a late night TV host, if if my research serves, uh, which you're, you're clearly dressed for it. Um, and the other part of that is you know, Seinfeld was also a really big part of your youth. I'm guessing, did you first see it on the black and white? Or did you see it once you <laughs> once you got uh, you know once you won? Your I think color. that was a little yeah that was a little later. So I got the black and white probably before I was like ten. Seinfeld came out you know around then or so. So yeah, Seinfeld was a huge influence on myself and my friends and shaped my comedic sensibility. I would say along with you know some other movies at the time, something about Mary. Dumb and Dumber, those sort of movies. But yeah, Seinfeld was, <laughs> uh, I, I'm i sure this popped up in your research, but I created a Seinfeld website. Oh, did you now? Did you now, S- did you, did you now S-Man? <laughs> <laughs> I created a Seinfeld website. Well, a friend of mine, um, if we uh, remember GeoCities, <laughs> yes, because GeoCities, you, you had like, <laughs> It would give you like two megabytes yeah. of like storage or something. I think so. And you felt like a king. You felt like a king with the, you know, acres and acres of territory. That was your space on the internet. And, and, uh, so a friend of mine, we got together and we're like, let's do a co website. I will do a Seinfeld site and he's going to do a Star Wars site. <laughs> so at one point, we had a website with both. Huh. And that's what we would do, like when we were kids. We, I mean, it's super friggin' nerdy. Yeah. But we were probably, I don't know, ten, eleven, twelve, and we would make a website on GeoCities. And uh, for some reason, um, the Seinfeld site that I made got attention from actual news organizations. <laughs> And publications, yes. which is crazy. That is crazy. It just shows you what the what the web was back then. Yeah. Because it was like a website with like audio clips that I would record <laughs> with my tape recorder. <laughs> I record it. Yeah. <laughs> I record it with my little tape recorder. Uh, and then I would play it back into the microphone on my computer, on my on my uh Gateway to thousand or whatever it was at the first time. form of digitizing sound. <laughs> first, yeah. yeah, yeah, it wasn't great. And yeah. then like, and I really didn't know anything because at one point you could do like an MP3, and I was like, oh, that's higher quality sound now. But it's not. It's the same, same thing. Stupid crappy audio that I recorded. Yeah. Well, I want you know I want to get a timeline here because we talked about 13 inch television, but you were 13 years old when you created that fan site. And I believe it was called S Man's Seinfeld Explosion was the name of the website. That's right. And the attention you're talking about, a couple different things here. Uh it was it was in 1998, it was Yahoo Internet Life's top seven 
Seinfeld fan sites in the world. Now, granted, there were probably only 13 in the world at the time, but there's you're still number seven. Uh, a little more credit. Than yeah, all right. It was appreciate it. Got it. Um, but you were contacted by the Today Show. You were also quoted in a 1998 St. Petersburg Times article, which is now the Tampa Bay Times. Now, I found all this stuff. I dug it up on the internet. I'm going to put it up on, on, on my very much more modern website. Uh, not a top, not a top seven or anything, but it's a more modern website. And you were quoted by Eric Degen of NPR, and you said, for comedy shows, it set the standard. Now there are so many TV shows out there about nothing, but they were the originators of that. Do you think that that sentence holds true, that sentiment of Seinfeld, Seinfeld sentiment holds true to this day? No. Not at all. I mean, well, I I don't know how I was quoted or why a 13-year-old would be an expert. You were 15 at the time. A television You were 15. Uh, 15. You were 15. I don't know if that changes okay. anything. But. Yeah, I didn't know what I was talking about. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if... Look, I'm. I, I, there was probably like a, a few shows at the time that were trying to copy Seinfeld because that's what television and movies are. Right. Oh, here's a successful thing. Let's try and copy it. Um, so, yeah, I... I I don't know if more shows are about nothing. And I also don't think Seinfeld is about nothing. I mean, that was sort of the rap for the show, but it wasn't. It was just it was about nothing in the sense that they could tell any story they want. Mm -hmm. Right. And it was it was a premise about, you know, friends. So is friends a show about nothing? I mean, it's a, maybe, right. <laughs> you know, it's 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 the same way. It's about nothing is the way Seinfeld is about nothing. It didn't have a it didn't have a premise that you had to keep going back to. Like you look at everybody who loves Raymond. I mean, the premise is that the parents live across the street and like, that's the, the show. Right. So there are, you could technically do any story on that show, but th that's the premise. And with Seinfeld with friends, there's, you know, you could tell any story you wanted amongst those people. So uh, I, I don't know, but the thing I do know is that a 15 year old should not be quoted <laughs> <laughs> it should not be giving any uh, advice or, or any sage wisdom about what uh, the state of television. <laughs> well, I mean, don't sell yourself short because your fellow quotees, if I could, if that's even a word in that particular article are, you know, television critics, um, professors. You're the only 15 year old. Everyone else has degrees. I mean, that's got to give you something. I mean, this was arguably your first real dipping your toe in the water of being an expert in something. And what's insane is I was like the first quote. You, yeah. It's like in the first or he second opens paragraph. opens with you, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I know. Opener. It's totally, yeah, uh, that's crazy. And, and, and the Today Show thing, so they called me thinking that I was a Seinfeld fanatic in that I had like <laughs> posters in my room and memorabilia. Yeah, right. And like if, if I had known going in that that's what they were going to do, I would have totally made it up. Right. You right. know, yeah, yeah. I would have like got stuff. But but I, I thought they wanted to just talk about the website, not like. But anyway, that was the angle they were going for. So I didn't get on the Today Show, but I'm sure they found some someone that was like a Seinfeld freak that they then like went to their house and <laughs> film like that. So that was a missed opportunity. Yeah. Without, without question. I would have loved, I, I was looking for that. I didn't see it anywhere. So I imagine there must've been some sort of, uh, some sort of, yeah, I'm sure it was miss. somebody else, but <clears throat> excuse me, this is a time to, um, just get another, <laughs> 
Oh, yeah. This is, um, I have another fascinating uh, Triple G. Yeah, <laughs> Triple G BT. Um, Look at that. Yeah, another so, mug. Uh, again, I love, I love this mug. This one, oh, man, this is my favorite. Um, Michael, I love him. <laughs> he is my favorite host on the show. I know I said it was Ben, yeah, but yeah. I forgot. Like, I have <laughs> So, oh, man, Michael. Well, once what, again, what, what a perfect opportunity to pitch the FGGBT mugs, which you seem to be enjoying. You, I imagine you have a complete set because you're only missing one, uh, which I imagine hopefully you'll you'll drink out of next. It seems that drinking out of a lot of mugs is is that your thing? Is that uh, I'm thirsty. You're a thirsty man. Yeah, you're a thirsty Parched, man. Yeah, <laughs> you know it's really important to have eight glasses of water. Huh? It, it, <laughs> sure. It's very beneficial for your skin <laughs> for podcast interviews. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, I appreciate you hydrating with the FGGBT merchandise. Um, and, you know, I think that's a great segue into success, right? Merch equals success. And I think success equals um, some of the things that you were doing after Seinfeld, right? So we're going to jump ahead just a, just a little bit. We're going to jump fast forward just a little bit into you get you got out into Hollywood. Um, you know, we met on a television show. We met on a pilot. Um, you know, I thought you were kind of a dope. Uh, I wasn't exactly sure wh where you were headed. I remember you. Feelings mutual. I, well, I, I would I would hope that it was because uh, I was definitely an idiot back then. Uh, not much has changed. And I think, you know, I remember you telling me, and I'll never forget this. You, you sat down next to me and you were like, look. I'm going to be writing for a TV show in about a year. So, uh, you know, don't get too attached to me. And I was like, hey, you know, all right, let's see what happens. Pro probably not exactly how that conversation went. It was went, pretty close. But, it was pretty close. But the gist of it. <laughs> yeah, the, the gist the, of it. Yeah, the, the gist of it is right. But, yeah. Now, I, I, now, here's the thing. I always made fun of you for your timeline because there's no way you're going to be writing for a show in a year. But you did end up writing. You worked for several shows and you did write for several shows. Uh, that is a pretty big accomplishment. So how did you, let's quickly talk about how you kind of got into the writer's room, which for those who are not in Hollywood, that's the key. You want to get into the writer's room and hang out with those writers, meeting, you know, meet a lot of those writers. And then how did that lead to your first episode? And what were some of the, the shows that you worked on that you really enjoyed? Um, well, I mean, a lot to that. it, no, there's a, there was a lot of shows that I worked on because they were all canceled after the first season. <laughs> Or as my, or, yep, you know, when yep. I told like one of my friends, that's a line producer that would hire me. I said, I was like out of a job and I was like, look, I'm either like on the first season of a show or the last season of a show. And he's like, correction, you're always on the last season. Of a show. <laughs> it's the same, <laughs> that man, is, same thing. That's how that yeah, works. Yeah. It's the same yeah. thing. It doesn't make a difference. Yeah. I was like, yeah, all right. Um, so yeah, Dan and I worked on a pilot. Um, I was the last to be, I was the last production assistant to be brought on and, um, no joke. I don't know if Dan remembers this. I don't know. But our production coordinator had to stagger us in letting us go. Because when you work on a pilot, you work for anywhere from like six to 12 weeks. I, I don't know when when you were brought on, Dan, if you were the first one or the middle one, but there were three of the us. Second. Production I think I was assist. the middle guy. Okay. Yeah. And then you were brought on last. So I was the last one to be brought on. Um, and I was like, well, I, I don't know if that means I'm going to be the first to go because I was the last in or the last to go. Yeah. But anyway, I, so I was working and then um, the production coordinator liked all of us, which is shocking or she was just making it up. And she's like, I'm going to uh, and I have to let each of you go. 
um, one week after the next. So she's like, I don't know who to let go. So I'm going to pick out of a hat. <laughs> I don't remember this. You don't remember this? No, I feel like they would have chosen me to go first. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I could be wrong. No. Is like, that what happened? You were, you were well liked on that show. Was I? Um, huh. They, they picked a name out of a hat and it was my name. Yeah, I don't so remember this I was all. like, oh, oh great. Okay. So, so she doesn't, I was like, well, that's, she just doesn't like me then. <laughs> I was like, that's probably, um, but she said to me, cause I was brought on last. So I, you know, just didn't, I was barely there. That's how I felt. Um, which is like, I feel really bad, but you know, I'll, I'll see if I can get you another job because when you work in freelance production, what you should, I guess you should know. I mean, I was super naive. I don't know if you were this way, Dan, probably. but, um, but I, I like didn't anticipate all of the unemployment, all the times that I would be unemployed. I was like, oh. I'm going to move to Los Angeles. Oh, that's a, yeah, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to work yeah. on show. <laughs> no, I was not prepared. <laughs> no, and and when you're when you're in college, at least, you know, at at BU, uh, I I didn't get an understanding of how the industry worked, like in that respect. Like, no one was like. You can go on this path and try and be a writer, but this is like the ways it could go down. And there's like, of course, like anyone could become a writer in any which way, but there is a path, like become a PA, work on this. What they don't tell you is like you work on the show, even if it's a successful show, you're off for like four months or five months and then have to go on unemployment. You're a freelancer. It's not, you're not getting a job with a salary and a 401k. Um, so, uh, my name was picked out of a hat <laughs> and a production coordinator says like, I'm so sorry. I know you're brought in last, but I'll, I'll see if I could, you know, help you get another job. So, uh, the next day she said, my friend is a production coordinator for Hannah Montana. <laughs> and I didn't know what that was at the time. Right, yeah. So, so I was like, oh, okay. I saw it was a kid's show and it was like the, I think it was in the second season and they're looking for a writer PA. And when you want to be a writer, that's where you start. Or that's where you hope to start in the writer's office. That's the bottom of the bottom in the writer's office. And still a coveted job, by the way. I don't want to interrupt, but still a coveted job. Those are hard to get too. Well, look, if you think about the writer's office, the, the writer PA and writer's assistants, there's one writer PA, there's two writer's assistants at most. And then there's probably eight to 10 writers on a staff. Right. So which job is harder to get? Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's harder to just, yeah, statistically it's harder to get those jobs. So, you know, people like people, you know, kill to get into the, to the writer's office. And I, I, I caught a break. I mean, as bad as it was, I'm like, well, now I'm out of the job. I'm going to eat ramen again. Um, but now I, I could make, you know, <laughs> I think at the time it was a Disney show. So my take home was just atrocious. I mean, awful. For like 14 hour days, by the way, like it's there. They all, yeah. I mean, it's brutal, brutal, brutal hours, no money. Yeah, totally. Brutal hours, no money, coffee runs in Hollywood. <laughs> um, first one in last one out copying scripts, delivering, you know, driving and delivering them, which I don't know if they're still doing or not. Yeah, it's totally insane yeah. if they are. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, but look, I, I was, you know, 24, 25 and I was just, I was happy to be sure. And I wouldn't change it. You know, I I was really happy to be there. And I was, I was lucky in that the writer's assistants on the show had been doing this type of thing for a while and they were getting scripts. 
So they weren't threatened by a young whippersnapper coming on wanting to be at the keys and take notes. No, no. Get scripts means as a writer's assistant or a writer's, not a writer's PA so much, but as a writer's assistant, sometimes there are quote unquote scripts left over that aren't assigned to other writers. And you, as a writer's assistant, to give you a break, they can give you one, assign you one with another more experienced writer, right? Exactly. And, and in this case, they had written for shows before. So they and they were really good assistants. So they were able to do very well on that show. They they almost got as many scripts as the writers. Wow. Because they were in their mid 30s and they had been doing it and they were really good and everybody liked sure. them. Um, so th I wasn't a threat to them, you know, and I, I never wanted to be perceived as one. I mean, you've worked with me. I, I never did anything super political on the show. I just wanted to do a good job and try and be funny. Um, I remember that. So they were like, yeah, come on, like take notes. So I don't have to, I'm not going to be threatened and, you know, even pitch, like I'm getting my script. So it was a really good, uh, job for me. It's just to wet my beak in, in the, in the writer's office. And then I eventually, um, got an actual writer's assistant job on a show that was uh, the first show to be canceled that season. <laughs> so you're welcome, America. Yeah, yep, that's amazing. And uh, so I, I mentioned that the Hannah Montana was in Hollywood. And this show was uh, by me near Culver City. It was at Fox. And I got this job, first season show. This is incredible. I'm going to get my bike. <laughs> I'm going to get a bike. I'm going to go there. Like, this is amazing. I'm set. I had plans. Seven weeks later, I think, canceled. <laughs> and when a show gets canceled, yeah. you know, they don't do this as much anymore because they just every show is so low rated. It doesn't matter. They just like they let yeah, it go. It's so weird now. Ratings are so weird. But yeah. But at that time, um, they would cancel these first season shows while in the middle of its run. So we had a, a 12 episode order. Um, we aired three. We were shooting like six or seven. And then we sh we did a tape night, and then the next day it's like you're canceled, and then you're out of a job. For me, I was out of a job two days later. I had two days to wrap, and that's it. You're done. Right. <laughs> so, and just to, just to pop in here, I, I once, I mean, just to that was on a comedy. I was on a drama that had a twelve episode order. They had written seven episodes, aired three. And that was it. They got canceled and you're out within a week. I mean, it's, it's crazy. And yeah, it happens all exactly. the time. You're yeah. done. You're out. Um, excuse me. I think it's a good time to take another break. <laughs> what is that? What is this? Was this a, Oh no, it's just a regular mug. Oh, that's, <laughs> well, hold on. You have, you have a complete, you don't have a, a, an, I'm an analytical mastermind F triple G BT. Oh no, no, no. That's, no, no, no. I, I, look, I, 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 I really like the other guys. Ben and Michael are great. This is just my everyday <laughs> mug. This is just a plain, it's a plain white mug. Uh, I, I, yeah. I want to say it's insulting, but it's, you know, uh, I think I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to send you the complete set. I have to complete your set. Uh, I'll send you an autographed copy. It's going to be on, on the show. Don't worry about it. 
Uh, oh, yeah. right. Well, as long as I don't have to drink out of it, I could just put it. <laughs> no, you don't. Way you, covered. You don't have to drink out of it. Uh, but let's so let's talk about let's continue this writing career because it's a great trajectory. Um, so you you start on Hannah Montana. You've got to the show. It's a brutal world, but you end up getting scripts at one point. Uh, as a matter of fact, I was I watched um, you working on Blackish most recently, and I was watching your episode, which is a great episode, and I know how much you love comedy, right? I mean, you, you've talked uh, you know a lot about how you love comedy, and in the episode that you wrote, it opens with the tragic breakup of a twenty year marriage, and it ends in a funeral, and so this must have been an episode where you really stretched your comedy chops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it it was not an easy episode to. Uh, it was not an easy story to break, um, and 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 I felt like it was a it, it was a it was a big episode for a writer's assistant. I wrote it with another writer's assistant, Graham Towers, really talented, so funny. Um, but but when you when you get an episode of a show and I consider myself very lucky to have gotten an episode of blackish, I worked on the show for two years. Uh, when you, when you get an episode of a show, the way it, the writing process worked, at least on that show, and it's different on a lot of shows. Um, but on that show, we all broke the story together and, uh, you have, uh, there, there's only so much liberty you can take once the story is broken. So that's the story that you're given. And the liberty that you take is, I think you just take swings in the scene. Like if you can, and when you break the story, you're also breaking comedy and jokes and you're like, oh, that's funny. We should put that in the script. Um, so the, so what you're trying to do is like take a couple swings in the scene yeah. on some jokes and like, let's see if the room likes it. And, um, so that's what we we did, and 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 one of the biggest <laughs> swings that we took is in the tag of the show. So that's the the scene when you come back from commercial and that credits play over that. So we didn't have a tag for the show, which which like I, I want to thank the writing staff for a couple. Okay, of we were so this was like the twenty third episode. We were so burnt out from breaking stories, and they were like Steve Graham, you figure. <laughs> I was like, well, thank you. Like, you I, no, I'm out. so happy yeah. to do that because, because that was, I was like, okay, that's a scene that we could totally make our own. We could do whatever we want in that scene. And like, let's see. And if they think it's terrible, then they'll just rewrite it in the room. <laughs> but I was like, this is a cool, this is a cool opportunity where we can do what we want in the scene. So the scene was, um, Lawrence Fishburne and, uh, Jennifer Lewis, which plays uh, Anthony Anderson's parents on the show, they've been divorced, and and uh, Dre on the show got this bachelor pad. Um, and at the end of the show, he moved back in with his wife, but he still had the bachelor. Pad. We're like, and, and Graham and I were talking. We're like, well, he bought this bachelor pad, or at least he rented right, it. Yeah. Like, who's going to use it? So we thought it would be funny if the two of them would fight over using it and there was, there's always been sexual tension between them. So what if we alluded that they would maybe get together and like, okay, we could have fun with that scene. Um, so we did that and remarkably that stayed in like, yes, it got rewritten because that's (laughs) 
what happens. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but the, the, the idea and the conceit of the scene uh, made its way in the show. And I'm super proud of that because Blackish, which is ending its run this year, they eventually ended up getting together. Mm. So I don't know if that was any part of that or if that mattered. I'm sure they would have done it anyway. But I thought that was a cool seed to plant. Yeah. You know, that eventually led to the two of them getting together. I mean, it's, it's actually kind of cool. I mean, you may have the brilliance of that scene. Now, was that the only thing that you guys wrote that stayed in the script or was it, were there others? Uh, well, you could say no. I know how it goes. <laughs> no, I mean, we I, I think uh, in general, we batted at least, you know, average for what was changed and not changed. But uh, and, and, you know, we were told that we did very well with the script and, but you know, that's what happens. It comes back in the room, gets rewritten. stuff gets rewritten and then, yeah. So, but, uh, you know, we were told we, we did very well and, you know, ideas got in and that's the best we can hope for. And I, I we're just very thankful that, um, we were able to execute because I think what you really want to do. And I think the biggest victory is execute the first draft because if you can execute the first draft where it's not a page one rewrite um, in other words they're not like completely scrapping it and you can get it to a place where it's you go through the scenes and you rewrite as you normally would with instead of you know two people you're getting the entire room of like really smart funny people then to me that's the victory so uh for us it wasn't a page one. It was a very typical rewrite. Now, again, this was the end of a long season. So maybe <laughs> you could argue they're like, you know what? Eh, it's yeah. fine. <laughs> let's just let's all go home and and we're really yeah. tired. Well, the point I'm trying to make here, you know, and I'm not trying to really bust your chops too much. What I'm the point I'm trying to make is that I've seen scripts get rewritten while they're shooting. Uh, where 80% of the script gets rewritten the night they're shooting. So to even have anything that was that was kept in that you guys created is a that's a big pl thing to plant your flag on. I mean that is impressive because so much does get thrown right. out and rewritten. Yeah, and that's again, like that's the victory. Like if you can bring in a draft that doesn't get totally rewritten, if the studio doesn't hate it, if you're not doing crazy rewrites the night before, which usually happens on a multicam um because multis are that that process is totally broken. Um, I mean, I, you've worked on multis and I, and I don't know, you know, I've always you've worked on very successful multicam shows. I have worked on the exact opposite, very <laughs> unsuccessful multicams, yeah. the fir first season multicam shows, uh, with the exception of Hot in Cleveland, which was one of the best experiences I've ever worked on. But when I've worked on other first season shows, the, the, the process is, and this is totally insane, is that you do a run through. So you write the draft, you do a run through in the afternoon, like late in the afternoon. If you're if you're if you're first, especially if you're a first season multicam, maybe if you're like a two and a half men, you're doing your run through. at yeah, 10. We're doing them at 10. And you're done. Yeah, at, we did them at 10. But yeah, right. So they get the nice run through slot. Meanwhile, my shows, they do the run through at two or three. So then it finishes at four. You're getting notes at five and you're starting your rewrite for the next day at five o'clock at right, night. Yeah, <laughs> it's a it's a totally it's an insane process. But but yeah, so imagine like imagine a good re what a good rewrite would be 
a couple of hours versus nothing is working at all. Yeah, it's an all night. And you're there until two in the morning. And I've, I've been on those shows. I was on three first season, you know, multi shows and uh, those aren't great. <laughs> well, no, I mean, you're right. And, you know, the thing that's crazy is that when you're making those notes, each one of those notes goes into a new script. Right. And I think that this is this is kind of what when I first came into the business, like when I was first breaking in, the thing that I remember I was working on a show called Judging Amy, and I remember the number of first of all, it was crazy because they were manual script uh, printers, so you would just see the script running around inside while it literally took a picture of each page when it would uh, make a new copy. Now they just scan it and you, they you know everything zips what, out like a newspaper. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's so no, confusing. it was crazy. You'd stick it in the top and it would just go whoop, 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 and it would just literally. <laughs> You and that you and that mug. You would literally take a take a picture of the every time. It's old school, is what I'm saying. But I remember the night they had a night PA, so there was someone who would come in at night, and her job was to copy hundreds of copies of this script and then deliver them in her car to people's houses all over. LA. And it's for people listening who are not in Hollywood, this isn't like everyone lives next door to each other. It's pretty spread out. You've got the Valley, you've got Hollywood, you've got Malibu, uh, you know, you've got Beverly Hills. It's all over the place. People are going everywhere. But the thing that struck me was just how many scripts that they would make that they would use for one day, especially on a multicam. They would throw that script out and make an entirely new script and do the same process every day, five days a week. And from day one, this struck me as being extraordinarily wasteful. And, you know, the biggest, the big, most impressive thing I think that you've done is you've created this app called Scriptation, which is a game changer. I mean, it's taking all of those scripts, all of those notes, all of those revisions and putting them on an iPad app, paperless. I cannot tell you, I don't understand why this wasn't done 20 years ago. This was my biggest pet peeve coming in. How did you, I mean, obviously you worked with a lot of paper, but I know I'm crazier than you are, and I know I'm nuttier about the environment than you are, but how did this get you, how did this become that little pee in your bed that you couldn't sleep on and you decided to change the world? It was, uh, well, look, what you said about multicam, I, I was on a multicam show when I had this idea, so like that cannot be restated enough. So on multicam, you get, let's say, a, a, around like a 50-page script because of like the weird spacing of multicam scripts. It's a 22-minute it's a, it's a or 21-minute episode, but because of the way the format of the script is, you end up with like 40 to 50-page right, script. Yeah, yeah. And on multicam, you do the rehearsal like we were talking about, and then you do a completely new script the next day, totally new. Every, you know, the page margin, everything is, is different. So I was on, this is in 2013. I was on a pilot that was a multicam. And this was just exacerbated by the fact that uh, like one of our actors had a odd, like scheduling thing where we had to do the table read. Usually you do like the table read and then a week up to the live show. But, and the script revision process is still the same terribleness that it is where you're getting a 50 page script a hundred times, but it was two weeks this time. And the, the writer of the show is a rewriter. <laughs> so every single night it was a new 50 page script. So I wasn't the one thinking it uh, just in terms of the wastefulness. It was everyone 
like maybe you're on a multicam and you're and you're on your fourth season and you're just like used to this stuff. Oh, we'll do the table read and then we'll do four drafts until this. But we were on a pilot, pretty quiet. We had 10 days of just every single night. Once we did it twice in a day, there was a morning distribution and a nightly distribution. And talk about like single use paper, like like in the recycle, hopefully. It's a, it is a totally insane process. And I was a script coordinator on that show. So even though I'm not the one calling the shots, obviously, and when rewrites happen, I'm the one that puts the script together, prints it out, takes those 50 pages, hands it to someone, and it's like, here, you ruin the world. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. and that, so I, I like <laughs> bared this responsibility, even though I'm just doing my job. So were the Nazis, though. You know, so were the Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to put on that black uh, shirt that I had. Um, yeah. So... So I, I was, you know, that that's what I was supposed to do. Format the script, hand it to the PA, who's going to make 100 plus copies. So this is 2013. So the Kindle was out. The iPad had just come out in 2011. So it was all, you know, pretty new that we could have these digital devices. Um, so I, you know, and the PDF had been around. Everyone was sending an email PDF and the print. So, okay, you can get that PDF on now a, a tablet. Great. So that solves one problem, but what it doesn't solve is that people make their notes on these scripts and then they have to redo their notes every single time a script comes out. And by, you mean hand, these are handwritten notes, which is, that's the key of this whole thing. Exactly. Yeah. Handwritten notes. So for example, you know, if, if the assistant, assistant director, they get a 50 page script, they make a bunch of notes and then they get the new script and then they got to make a bunch of notes again. So I was like, okay, we could go digital and you can create an app or you can just use Adobe and then make some annotations. But you're not going to get people to move digitally with just that. Like you can say you're destroying the environment, but that's going to move a certain amount of people and then they're going to go back into their comfort zone. So I said, you know, I thought the only way that we can actually do this is if we can go digital and increase productivity at the same time. So take those notes that people used to handwrite, do them digitally, and then when the new 50-page draft comes out, you can move those annotations into the new draft. And you know, at that time, I had worked with a bunch of people, and you do your research. Like I, I, I know nothing about, I knew nothing about business at the time. Zero. I still know very little. I'm a TV writer, <laughs> but I knew nothing. But the thing that I did know is that you have to solve a problem. So is this a problem? And then would people use it? So when I when I interviewed people in different departments, um, I said, uh, would you go digital? And there was, you know, what you'd expect. Maybe, I don't sure. know, probably yeah, not, yeah. whatever. And then I said, well, what if I could move your notes from one draft to the next and solve your script revision problem? Everyone said, I will, yes, I will learn whatever I need to learn about this program if you can do that. So I said, okay, let's see if we can do that. So I found an engineer. Um, I was like, can we do this? Can you intelligently move notes from one draft or from, you know, one PDF to the next? And he was like, I think so. Let's try. And we were able to, do, you know, very basic uh 
in the simplest form, you know, it was like, we kind of did it. And we're like, okay, like, then I think this will work. Like, how can we make it better? And, and that's once we're able to like figure out fundamentally how to do it, then we just kept building the company. Well, the thing about, I mean, having an idea is one thing. I've got lots of ideas, right? So to a lot of people, ideas are, are not the currency of Hollywood. Execution is the currency of Hollywood. I learned that from a very, very smart uh, executive because uh, I always thought everyone, oh, great idea. Oh, I'm going to make a million dollars. It's like, well, no, you got to do it, dummy. And so having that idea, it's a huge lump, a huge lump. It's a huge jump to an, and a leap, which I mix that up, a huge leap to go from idea to reality. And the other thing is you mentioned, you're talking to all of these people. I've been on a lot of shows and there's a lot of, people who are older and set in their ways and going digital is a big deal. And it can also be very scary and intimidating. Technology can be intimidating. It's a, it's a whole learning curve. And so I imagine that must have been, that must have been a heck of a hurdle for you to jump and to figure out how to push people through. Uh, I probably didn't do it that violently, but you know, you know what I mean? That must've been, that must've been like the real trick to what you did. Well, it had to work mm. <laughs> like it, 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 you know, the, the technology had to work and, and, and when we, you know, we had all, we had some people early on that would start using the program and it's very demonstrable on set. So we didn't have to do much marketing and advertising because the thing did what it said it was going to do. And we still get that even today, like, okay, I mean, this app, is advertised as transferring your notes from draft to draft and it does the thing. So early on in, in 2016, when we first launched in the app store, um, you know, we were talking about shows getting canceled and I have to keep looking for a job. Well, this actually benefited me because you have one person on a show, they get, you know, 20 revision pages coming to stage. That person is using scriptation. They hit a button. 10 seconds later, they're transfers, their notes, they're ready to go. Everyone else is, you know, collating pages into their three ring binder right, yeah, yeah. and rewriting yeah, their yeah. notes. I mean, it's, it, it takes 20, 30 minutes and, and th this guy's done in 10 seconds. So they're like, what's that? What are you doing? So, you know, you get on one show, then you get a couple people and start converting. Then a show gets canceled, which was the worst thing that happened for me when I was yeah. working. But then it gets canceled and like the five people on the show, two people go to this show, one person goes to that show, another person goes there and they're spreading it on that show. So th that's sort of how, um, you know, at, at least in terms of my company, we, you know, we needed to go to the users that had this problem. Uh, like I know nothing about business at the time I kept going, well, let's sell it to the studios. And here's why that didn't work. I had to explain the problem to them. Yeah, because they're separated. Yeah, because they're separated, completely separated yeah. from the writer's office. I mean, I've worked on the corporate side as well. And so you have people from production. Yeah, from production. It's, it's totally separated from production. You know, a lot of them don't understand it. What would be great is if, you know, some of the people at the studio at one point was a PA. Right. Yeah. A PA is like the best training Absolutely. you can get. Because like you're you're with every department at some point. So the mistake that I made 
was to go to the studios. And like, if you have to explain the problem, they're never going to buy the solution. Yeah. Because in their mind, there isn't a problem. Exactly. Um, but it's also it's it's also this very strange culture in Hollywood, because I remember, you know, everyone, everyone who's not here, uh, especially if you're from, you know, a, a more conservative state, you know, it's, it's Holly weird. It's everyone's, you know, they're so progressive over there. They recycle their own feces and they drink their own urine. Right. And it's like, well, yeah, that's great if you did it. But for paper, th- it's the most wasteful company. And I will tell you, the other thing that used to drive me batty is I would watch there would be these little blue recycle bins under everyone's desk. And I thought coming from a place where people recycled, it's like, oh, it's in the recycle bin. It's going to get recycled. Then I would stay there late. You mentioned those late nights and I would be there late and you would see the cleaning crew come in and they would take that recycled bin and they would just dump it in the garbage. And so it's, you know, it drove me crazy. Exactly. And I worked on a, a giant award show where that year it was all about going green and that same thing happened because i was a pa on that award show so of course i'm like first one in last one out so i'm there when the cleaning people come and same thing happened yeah (laughs) they would just put everything together And, and the other weird thing is that for table reads is you so for a table read? You know they have all the actors come in. It's the first script. Everyone wants to hear what it sounds like. So everyone comes in. And you, so you have to br- print out a bunch of scripts. Now the thing I was never made for table reads because I'm a very functional kind of guy. And if you got twenty people there, let's print out twenty scripts. Uh, table reads are about presentation, and I learned that way too late <laughs> to really be successful. And so they want to show that you have enough. So no one, so keep in mind, everyone is getting a script delivered to their house. So they have the script. Yeah, they've, they've already, already the got. So they come to the table read and no one brings their own script. Why? Because there's a stack of scripts that are there. And I remember one time I right. had, I had miraculously, I was notorious for only printing out a short number of scripts and I had printed out an exact number of scripts. So when everyone was done, everyone had a script, but there was not a stack left over. And I still hear about that. <laughs> that is how, that is how wasteful <laughs> Hollywood is. And what, and, and, and then, you know what they think they're doing? They're like, well, we'll make it double-sided scripts. Well, you're still wasting right, paper. Right. I mean, it's still, and those scripts and something that you didn't mention is that, so then you print those scripts, right? So then you print 15 of them. That's the magic number and two get taken. So those 13 scripts that you printed are told are, first of all, the, all the scripts are obsolete after yeah, the table. Right, right. The second it's over, those scripts totally, are obsolete. Yeah. So those 13 scripts that are left over will never be touched and they're, that's it. It's like you printed them, you wasted. It's not just paper. It's it's ink and energy. It's it's all of this stuff. It's totally crazy. They're still doing it. They think double sided is going to help. I mean, it 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 helps some of the problem, but that's not the whole problem. You're still printing, you know, hundreds of sheets of paper and energy and yeah. ink. It's it's. I mean, it's nuts. I mean, I don't think anyone, if you haven't experienced the problem, you you don't know how infuriating it is, especially when you care about the environment uh, and the steps people take. And I'm not even going to talk about water bottles, um, but <laughs> but that's a whole nother issue. Um, speaking of water bottles, I don't know. I, I got this one from Blackish. Did you get one when you were on the show? Did you get a, a Blackish water bottle? Because <laughs> uh, I, I think I, I, I think, I got, I, think I got yours. It says Asvatolo on it. 
Does it? No, it doesn't. I don't know. I don't know. Oh. <laughs> I got to unroll I'm like, it. I, I'm wondering, like, because I, I, I have left so many water bottles. No. So I'm like, maybe I did leave it at your house. I have no idea. <laughs> no, no. It, it was a gift, but uh, uh, but no, it doesn't okay. have your name on it. But we have to get to, you know, we're, we're coming short on time here, and we have to get to uh, the the Emmy because the, it's, the, it's your work on scriptation that led to this Emmy, which is the craziest roundabout way to an, an Emmy, but yet you're still an Emmy award winner. You're not an Emmy. You're an Emmy award winner. So how did this, how did this come about? Um, and please also include that you got to nominate yourself, which is not true of the Nobel Peace Prize I just learned. <laughs> okay. Well, when you, when you, uh, when you win an Emmy or an Oscar, or you you nominate yourself for that. So if you well, not everyone. Are, Some it, people get nominated by other people. You don't have to nominate. No, yourself. no, not not on not on those. So you have to submit. Like if you're, uh, you know, be, best writing on a, on a TV series, oh, you submit see, like yeah. the episodes. I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Best like yeah, be, best series. You submit like two episodes. So the same thing comes. So you know, we have an advisor that was like that told us like, well, why aren't you submitting yourself? for the Emmys. I was like, I didn't know that was a thing you could do. So, um, we filled out an application similar to, you know, how you would on any, you know, show and, uh, sent it in and I was interviewed and I thought I did a good job, but then I didn't hear for two months. And, um, they, they give, you know, tech technology Emmys or engineering Emmys, uh, they give between like five and 10 a year to different companies. So, you know, our case was a lot of people went paperless during the pandemic cause they had to, and we have a way to collaborate with each other. And we worked on, you know, some big shows, um, that have been around for, you know, 45 years to help them better collaborate since they're not going to be in the same room right at the beginning. Um, so we submitted and, and that was our case. Like we really helped people in, in, in the TV industry. And, um, I was, you know, talk to them, demo <laughs> is what we do. And I, and I think the, you know, certainly the thing that helped is people that were deciding this use scriptation. Right. So they were already using the app. So they, they got it. It wasn't like I, it wasn't like I was pitching to a studio that wasn't going to get the problem. They understood everything. They were trying to understand you know, the engineering of it and what we did and how it's different and all that. So, the, you know, that was my presentation. And then I got a call and it, you won. Um, and now I got this uh, statue back there and that's really cool. I mean, I never thought <laughs> that and that, that would happen like this. Yeah. I thought, I thought I would maybe get it for writing and, but uh, I'll, I'll, I'll take an engineering one. It's all the same. Well, you got it for helping other people write. That's important. That's true. That's true. I assisted. Yeah, I assisted in other Emmys potentially. So sure. But now I have my own. And that's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> you do. You do have your own. I mean, it's it's a pretty great journey because also in that same class was Reed Hastings of Netflix. So, I mean, this this is these are not like this. This is a pretty important stuff. I mean, for most people listening, you think of Emmys and you think of like the television shows, writing, acting, directing and television. I mean, I didn't I know they have daytime Emmys. I know you can get one for being on the daytime. I had no idea that they had, you know, engineering Emmys. But this is a great backdoor uh, to, 
get to get an Emmy. So, you know, they take eight people a year. I mean, are there really that eight innovations or eight, five to ten innovations a year? That seems like so many. <laughs> right? Sounds like you're I mean, minimizing my engineering <laughs> Emmy plan. Which, you know, I... No, no, no. I, I, I'm just saying some people... What I'm saying is you and Reed probably deserved it. But, like, Dolby won an Emmy. And it's like, I mean, what did they do that they haven't done for 30 years? I mean, you know what I mean? I, I don't know. It just it struck me as odd that they have so many. I feel like it would be three. You would still be on that that top three list, but eight's a lot. I appreciate that. Yeah. 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 I, I, I don't know what the deciding factors are when they're choosing. But the, the thing that I do know is, you know, 100-something-plus companies submitted, and they got it down to, like, 30. So that was the nomination process, okay. and they choose between 5 and 10, and it goes to a committee, and I mean, that that's the extent I, I know about that. But I'm happy to have one, um, and, and I, I, was, I was, you know, talking to a few friends. I was like, how do I... What's like the money ball way I can EGOT this thing? Yeah, right. <laughs> I was like, I got the Emmy. Like, what can I do the other? And everyone's like thinking of, well, you know, maybe you can get in for the SciTech Oscar thing or this. I was like, guys, I'm a writer. You not have any faith that I could get something in the writing world in any of these? And they're like, no, no, no. You got to focus on the uh, engineering part and see which way you can move in. Well, I mean, yeah, and don't forget, you know, it was you and I who had that conversation. I was trying to give you advice on how you could EGOT the Emmy. So uh, yeah. clearly you've forgotten the source of your information. So um, that's how quickly <laughs> I've evaporated from from from, <laughs> from the influence. I got a lot life. of friends, Dan. Yeah. I, um... <laughs> I see that. I see that. Well, I mean, look, I, I'm, I'm proud of you. I'm, I'm happy for you. I love seeing it in the background. I love that you have Emmy Award winner basically everywhere on social media. Um, but uh, are you can you stick around for like 10 minutes? I want to talk about the movie that you got made. Oh, um, sure. I'd love to. Yeah. So we'll I stick, stick around for 11 minutes. We'll, we'll, we're going to do uh, 10 to 11 minutes. We're going to do five to 10 minutes, five to eight, 10 minutes on, uh, on, on how you got the movie made. But if people want to find you, if they want to get scriptation, uh, if they want to just, you know, learn how to be, um, you learn how to get the merchandise from the FGGBT store, how can they get in touch with you so you can guide them down that path? <laughs> uh, scriptation.com is a great place to start. Uh, you can you can get us. We're, we're available in the Mac uh, on a Mac, iPad, iPhone. Just search Cryptation in the App Store, and um, yeah, download the app. It's free. If you want to pay for the pro stuff, that would be great. I would appreciate that. Um, and uh, yeah, but it's again free to get started. If you want to go paperless, if you're working on a production now, or just want to mark up a PDF document, it works well for that too. So yeah, Scriptation.com. Now, what about you personally? I know for a fact you have Twitter. Uh, I don't know if you have a public Facebook. Um, do you do Instagram? What, what are you doing on all that stuff? I try and I, I just opened my Instagram to the public. I, I don't know why I did that. Oh, wow. Um, but but I don't know. I Following me on any of these things isn't going to help anyone do anything. So I would recommend, I'd recommend following Scriptation on uh, all those things. It's at Scriptation on everyone except Facebook. It's at Scriptation app. Okay. Well, I will have links to all of that stuff on the website. Uh, and I'm going to put your your links up there as well. I think people are going to want to get in touch. With you. I think you'd be surprised 
uh, what the influence of this show can have. Uh, but th- I mean, this is it's an incredible journey. Uh, I was there almost at the beginning, and it has just been incredible. And I I feel partially responsible. Not that I, I don't I don't want to co-own that Emmy with you, but I do feel like I had some influence on it. And I want you to, I want to thank you for not only letting me be a part of that, but for allowing me to bring you on the show for the 200th episode. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. What an achievement, Dan. 200 of anything is an achievement. Yes, it's true. Uh, And, you know, like some TV shows we've both been on, not always, when you get to 200, they're not always great, but I think this one was. I think this was a good one. Uh, But thank you so much for being on the show. And, of course, I want to thank everybody for listening. Have a good night. Fascinating Nouns is a Glencoe production and is hosted and produced by me, Daniel J. Glenn. The show producer for this episode was Sarah Brandt. The Fascinating Nouns introduction was produced by Daniel J. Glenn and E.A. Barrientos with music and sound design written and performed by E.A. Barrientos. And I'm guessing after listening to this, you never want to miss another episode. You're going to want to subscribe. We are on all of your favorite podcasting platforms. and We even have links right there on our show website, which is fascinatingnouns.com. You can find all the links right there. And let's say you don't have a favorite podcasting platform. That's no problem. You can listen to every episode right there on the website, which is once again, fascinatingnouns.com. And while you're there, don't forget to sign up for our newsletter. It's a great way to learn more about the episodes that you're listening to, find out about upcoming episodes, and to just keep in touch with the community. It's right there on the website. Speaking of community, there's no better way to stay in touch than on social media. And you can find links to our show's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and YouTube pages right there on the front page of fascinatingnouns.com. And speaking of YouTube, there's a video version of this episode there right now, uh, as well as other past episodes and all future episodes. It's going to be right there, youtube.com backslash Daniel J. Glenn. It's a great way to see all the guests and, uh, you know, check it out live and in person. Feel like you're there in studio. Great way to do it, youtube.com backslash Daniel J. Glenn. And finally, if you like this show, you're going to like everything that I do. Go to DanielJGlenn.com and check out all of my projects and see what's going on. Once again, thank you for listening. End of transmission.